Hey, Ashley. Hey, Nicole. What's today? Music Monday. It's Music Monday. Today is Music Monday. This is our November episode, and in the spirit of Thanksgiving later this month, we will be talking about artists we are thankful for. Ashley, tell us a bit more about this episode. So we do this thing at our church each year in November, Thankful Thursday. Each Thursday leading up to Thanksgiving, we have a guest preacher come to our Heritage Chapel and talk about something they're thankful for. And as most church events do, the gathering ends in food. So we thought that this month we'd be talking about artists we're thankful for. So Nicole, kick us off. Who are you thankful for? I am thankful for Amy Grant. There is so much to say about Amy. She was born November 25th, 1960, and she's an American singer, songwriter, and musician. She started in contemporary Christian music before a successful crossover to pop music um, that she had in the 80s and 90s. She's sold over 30 million albums worldwide. She's run, won six Grammys. She's won 22 Dove Awards and had the first Christian album to go platinum. Amy made her debut as a teenager and gained fame in Christian music during the 80s with hits like Father's Eyes, El Shaddai, and Angels. In 1991, she released the blockbuster album Heart in Motion, which is celebrating its 30-year anniversary this year. This album is catapulted Amy into a whole new level of fame. It included the number one hit, Baby Baby, and the album's other four top 20 charting pop singles, Every Heartbeat, That's What Love Is For, I Will Remember You, and Good For Me. Amy sang at church every Sunday and Wednesday and attended every hymn sing that they had. She also listened to The Beatles, Three Dog Night, Elvis, and Joni Mitchell, and the combo of these musical influences really shines through her music. I read a lot of interviews with Amy, and over and over, she's quoted in talking about how vital music is to the human experience. In a 2016 interview she had, she said, With music, there needs to be a song for every day. A song for the highest high, a song for the lowest low. Songs that celebrate faith, songs about heartache. Because music connects us, and we need connections in all areas of life. So speaking of connections, I just mentioned the song Baby Baby. I loved finding out that this song was not written about a significant other. It was written about her six-week-old baby daughter. She was experiencing writer's block and looked into the face of her baby, and ten minutes later the song was written. I just loved reading that bit of Amy Grant trivia. I have my own daughter, and it's even more special now knowing that I can sing that to her. Um, something that has always endeared me to Amy Grant's music is her honesty and authenticity, especially when the cost is high. I remember when I was around like 10 years old, um, Amy went through her divorce, a very public divorce, and pretty soon after she married Vince Gill, um, who's a country singer. Even at my small church in Amarillo, Texas, I have memories of people talking so horribly about her, about the disappointment she was, how could she, and on and on. Even though she was divorced before she remarried, well, you know what? This is not an Amy Grant apologist podcast, so I'll move on. It's fine. <laughs> I got this impression from people around me that Amy was just not quite Christian enough to be the kind of Christian singer everybody wanted her to be. Even then, I expected her to like fade from the public eye. I felt 
the heaviness of the shame being thrown at her. But instead of retreating or lashing out in defense of herself, Amy just kept living a life of inspiration, a life that she said over and over was marked by prayer and trying to do meaningful work. But this not-quite-Christian-enough idea followed her. In 2016, she released Tennessee Christmas. It's a beautiful album with songs like Joy to the World, Oh Come All You Faithful, White Christmas, and more. The big news, the juicy news, was that Lifeway Christian Resources would not sell this album because it wasn't Christian enough. No one from Lifeway has like gone on record to say exactly why it wasn't Christian enough, but many people have made some guesses. One of these people being Amy's manager, Jennifer Cook. Jennifer wrote an opinion piece that was published by the Washington Post. Jennifer said, There is an odd question and reality in the Christian music business. What is a Christian enough song or project recorded by someone who is Christian enough that deems it worthy of exposure and commercial viability via Christian radio and Christian retail? She goes on to say, It was perplexing to me as a Christian to realize that to be promoted on the radio and in retail, each song really needed to be able to be neatly wrapped up in a Jesus is the answer bow. Of course, I believe Jesus is the answer, but I also find him to be engaged in the midst of our humanity and that there is also something beautiful and holy to be explored in our humanness. But I wasn't a gatekeeper and my opinion carried no weight and still doesn't, she said. Many hypothesize that Amy's song, Melancholy Christmas, was the reason Lifeway deemed it unworthy. The song is about being alone on Christmas. It's beautiful, and it's sad, and it's an accurate representation of the Christmas many people experience. It was probably a little too real for some executives wanting to sell the happiness of the holidays. This decision by Lifeway led Amy to publicly state that she didn't want to be considered a Christian artist anymore, She said, I don't put labels on anybody. Am I a person of faith? Absolutely. But I think all creativity comes from God. So whether somebody is in a place in their spiritual journey to acknowledge that or not, I just say everybody is artistic in some way, and all of that comes from God. Something I've observed in Amy's music, particularly her more spiritual songs, is a move away from duality. This like right or wrong, light versus darkness, absolutely Christian or not Christian at all kind of thinking. For instance, she has this song called Shadows on her 1988 album, Lead Me On. These are some of the lyrics. There are two of me. One does the right thing, one cannot see. Standing back to back, who is the strong one? In the last act, every path I take, roads I go down, choices I make, take me right between patches of light and darkness in me. So this view of herself, this right or wrong, no gray area, this view felt pretty consistent in her work back then. It wasn't until her 2013 album, How Mercy Looks From Here, that she let us all in on the deep, transformative change that had taken place within her faith. Gone are the this or that lyrics. Gone are the evil is lurking lyrics. These songs land in the gray area. They settle into the unknown. This album was dedicated to her mom who died in 2011. And I want to play a clip of an interview um, that Amy did uh, talking about her mom's influence on these songs. I've dedicated the record to my mom, uh, Gloria Napier Grant. She passed away two years ago. But I had such an amazing conversation with her in uh, the last couple of months of her life. 
I had gone by to visit my mom and dad late one evening, and I said, I don't have long, Mom, because I still have to pack my suitcase. I've got a show tomorrow night. And she said, oh, you sing? And I thought, okay, this is one of those days she doesn't remember. As I was walking out the door, she called out to me and said, hey, would you do me a favor? And I said, yeah, what? She said, when you walk out on that stage, sing something that matters. And I thought, well, I can do that. Some of Amy's very talented friends helped on this album. James Taylor, Carol King, her husband Vince Gill, Cheryl Crow, and others, which is amazing. Uh, I want to highlight just a couple of songs off the album. The song Better Not to Know sits heavy in my stomach, like the feeling of impending grief and being so unsure about how to live with the promise of losing things or people that we love. You know, lighthearted stuff like that. So Uh, these are what the lyrics say. We sowed our seeds, watered with tears, waiting for signs of growth. Took months of days and then took years. We took our steps. We took our falls. Somewhere along the way, we just got lost and we lost it all. But nothing ventured, nothing gained. The risk of living is the pain. And what will be, will be anyway. Oh, it's better not to know the way it's going to go, what will die and what will grow, goodbye more than hello, it's better not to know. Okay, one more. My favorite song on the album is How Mercy Looks From Here. And the beginning of this song feels so relevant to what we've experienced at Azel Christian Church this year with our building flooding. Um, The song opens like this. The waters rose today, the river with the rain, memories and picture frames are floating miles away. Through the wreckage and the mud, the ruins after the flood, she survived at 91. Some would have given up, drowning in their tears, but on her wrinkled face, a smile appeared. When you face your greatest fear, losing all that you hold near, open up your eyes, my dear. Oh, how mercy looks from here. So this question sits with me, and I hold it with some levity because it feels silly at this point, but is Amy Grant Christian enough? If sitting in uncertainty and grappling with existence, grieving loss, confessing doubt, if these are not quite Christian enough, then I am really into albums that are not quite Christian enough. Like, I joke, but to be honest, the music that is most Christian, like the most Christ-like to me, are songs that hold space for the entirety of our humanity, our losses, and our hopes. So this month, I'm giving thanks for Amy Grant, and for all of the artists who have been too human for contemporary Christian music, who have been too honest, too raw, too vulnerable, too subject to change, their minds, their lives, their beliefs, God bless those who are willing to provide words and music to help us navigate all the twists and turns of our existence. Wow, Amy Grant for Christian Music President. Uh, I haven't listened to a lot of her music, but that made me want to dive right in. Okay, for this month, I'm thankful for Jennifer Knapp. If you were part of the CCM world in the early 2000s, you may know Knapp by her critically acclaimed album, Kansas. At the height of her powers in the Christian music industry, she was a Grammy-nominated Dove Awarded artist who opened for Third Day and also played Lilith Fair. Stylistically, she's like if Melissa Etheridge and the Indigo Girls met Jesus at a Baptist church camp with all the earnestness one could summon. 
and she was poised to reach megastardom but stepped away in 2002, citing stress as her reason for leaving the industry. She moved to Australia, went off the grid, and almost completely disappeared from public eye. When she made her return in 2010 with her new album, Letting Go, she let the world know that she was a lesbian and had been in a relationship with a woman since 2002. And the Christian music world went wild, mostly condemning her with a few supporters. And it was weird because she hadn't produced anything in years. So it's not like the radio was playing her latest and greatest hits, but she still loomed large for so many. And by coming out, she experienced firsthand the devastating effects religious pre prejudice has on the LGBTQ plus community. She says of that time, there's a fairly predictable and unfortunate script that happens when you come out with an earshot of a Christian. Immediately, your faith is questioned or your moral character is put to trial, as if identifying as gay is a confession of brokenness or a perverse lifestyle choice. It's tragic to have to experience this, whether you're religious or not. What is called for in the moments any of us discover we are different from the majority of folks around us is compassion and affirmation that we can be loved just as we are found. She started a foundation called Inside Out Faith to encourage constructive and uplifting dialogue in matters of queer faith and to encourage faith communities to affirm and support LGBTQ plus persons and their allies. She released a memoir called Face the Music. She has a TED Talk. You can find her talking about her journey all over the internet, so I won't rehash it all here. But I'm thankful for her because of how her journey to know God led her to realize the image of God in herself as a queer person of faith. My own experience in seminary at Bright Divinity School and churches like Galileo Church, both queer affirming spaces of faith, have led me to conclude that queer, queer Christians who have had to obsessively figure out how to reconcile a hostile Christian world and the truth of who they really are get faith, God, church, what have you, in ways that a lot of straight Christians can only hope for. So, dearly beloved, queerly beloved, Jennifer Knapp is a modern-day saint paving the way for many. One of my favorite songs by Knapp is Martyrs and Thieves from Kansas. And the chorus says, So turn on the light and reveal all the glory. I am not afraid. To barrel my weakness, knowing in meekness, I have a kingdom to gain. And even though it was written in early aughts, it feels so on the nose for the Jennifer Knapp 20 years later. The refrain is her softly singing, can you hear me? It's the cry of anyone wanting to be known and loved by God. And it's an affirmation that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I first found her through her album, The Way I Am. It, was, it predates Kansas, and it's angsty and so focused on trying to please God, and I really resonated with that growing up. I'm angsty in general, so one can only imagine what a good dose of religious guilt can do. But as I listened back through the album to prepare for this episode, it hit different. It speaks to such a sincere part of me that loves God so much with a clear-eyed, open-hearted love the Ashley from youth group who just wanted to hug God. Of course, you know, my views of God have evolved and changed, but the earnestness is still there. And I feel such a kindredness with Nap in this way. Like we're both trying to figure out how to hang on to our faith with all of our questions and doubts and pain inflicted by the very institution where we met God. When all along, 
God has been holding on to us through the questions and the doubts. And for some of us, we have found pockets in the church where we find love and acceptance, fellow sojourners, others who hold all things lightly except the tenacious love of the divine. Knapp is still making music. Her latest album from 2017 is titled Love Comes Back Around. It's less angsty, freer, hopeful. And I'm thinking that we should make it out to Lilith Fair and see her. We should absolutely go to Lilith Fair. Uh, As you were talking, I remembered in my sophomore year of college, my roommate came in and she was so upset and she threw a Christian magazine on her desk and she said, Nicole, Jennifer Knapp is gay. (laughs) And I was like, like, wait, what? I I just had so many questions, including like, why are you crying? Um, And I knew, you know, I knew why she's crying, but... I, I held that information with like such curiosity and, and I hold that memory up to, you know, being 10 years old and these church ladies just so disappointed in Amy Grant. Like, how could she disappoint us? How could she betray us? And that was the feeling I think of my roommate. Like, how could this Christian singer betray me by like making this life decision that had nothing to do with me? Um, I just see like so many similarities between Amy and Jennifer as we're talking. Yeah, I remember when Jennifer Knapp came out. Um, I guess we were both in college, and I had watched this CNN interview with her and some conservative pastor, and he was really respectful, and I say that, I'd, I don't even know how I say it, but um, he was talking to her about, you know, the clobber texts, and she was she kept talking about the Bible as a sacred text, and was very like open to talking about the Bible, but was not going to be pummeled by it. And that I think that was the first time that I had heard a Christian talk about the Bible in a way that it's not like, these are the literal instructions from God, you know, like these are God's mm-hmm. own words, but like, let's think about this Bible as a document, as a religious document that we can think creatively about, that we need more information about. And that was I think I just brought that interview with me all of these years until I came to seminary and was like, oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, it. it's interesting. I, And I don't know why this was my hard wiring, but when something like this would break, like news of Amy Grant's divorce or news of, I mean, even like people that, were so loved at my church, like Sandy Patty went through some, mm-hmm. like a situation and these women held up on these pedestals, like they fell so hard in, in a certain public eye. And every time that happened within like the walls of my church, I remember thinking, why is everyone so upset? And not that like, like, yes, this has nothing to do with us, but also on some like deep level, it felt like it gave me permission um, to ask questions and Mm. like like my scope of understanding the love of God widened because we sang so many songs about like God loves me even though or God loves me just as I am or God loves me and I mean right and left is like but what how you're acting does not line up with everything we talk about here Mm -hmm. and so like yes the Sunday school lessons and you know, memorizing scripture and those things that we went through as kids, like they made an impact on my faith. But those moments when my roommate, you know, slammed the magazine on the desk, like that meant something to my faith too, in Mm -hmm. a really 
pivotal shaping kind of way because I was like, wait, 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 this is an opportunity here. Yeah. <laughs> like I have to hold this up. And if, and if Jennifer Knapp still considers the Bible like a sacred text and is also like this loving, inspirational, warm, like obviously not from Satan person, like <laughs> it really, it, it dismantled like toxic theology in my own life. And so mm-hmm. I'm so grateful is what I'm trying to say for these women who like, just broke the mold you know at such a high cost Mm -hmm. to themselves yeah yeah I feel like women like Jennifer and Amy you know they're held up as these warning signals you know especially by the people that we grew up with like don't be like them but Amy Grant and Jennifer Knapp are not going to hear all the stuff that people say about them at our church, but we're hearing it and it's making an impact on us and it's made us walk away from those communities of faith because it's like, I don't want to be a part of that. And instead we, you know, thank God that, you know, both of these women have found a way to rest in God, have found like this beautiful um, love of the divine and still sing about it and still offer their gifts to the world and, and we're better for it because we know that like that path can be walked. Like it's not, you know, this kind of theology and, or nothing, you know, yeah. there's a way to reconcile. So I'm grateful for them. And I think, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that both of us chose these, I mean, yeah. very, they're different stories, yeah. but they're also kind of similar stories. And, you know, they're both kind of before their time in a way. And, um, incredibly capable women, but also on the fringe and, there's this Hebrews text. It's like Hebrews 10, 14, something like that. And it says, um, let us go outside the camp to mm. meet Jesus. Yeah. And it's like, Jesus has been out here all along, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. And, and there it is, you know? I just, yeah. I think you talked about this love of God that you had. And I just remember growing up and feeling like, I really, really love God. Like it, you guys, all of you are getting through to me. Like I am sold God. (laughs) Good. I am into, and that's, that hasn't wavered for me like that. If, but that's been the like driving force behind the wrestling. And, and again, like opportunities to wrestle and to, to love God even more through stories like Amy's and Jennifer's. And, and I think, um, you know, we should not compare ourselves to these women (laughs) because they're incredible, (laughs) but I'm going to indulge just for a second. Like, you know, you and I left traditions that we grew up in on purpose. We left on purpose because Mm -hmm. we could no longer be ourselves in love with the God that we believed in, in those spaces. Um, but finding our way to, you know, a safe space and understanding of God at, living into our calling um, as women that have probably been talked about in Mm -hmm. certain spaces. And maybe that's, maybe that's exactly why for whatever reason at this moment in time, we decided to talk about these two. And for the listener, like, again, we did not proof either of these choices with each other. It just worked (laughs) out this way. So um, grateful for this experience too. That we got to talk like this. Brene Brown in her book, Braving the Wilderness, um, in the first chapter, she talks about this quote. um, I want to say it's from Maya Angelou. And it talks about belonging to no one, that true belonging is belonging to no one and how she loved Maya Angelou so much. And she, you know, agreed with everything she said, except this one quote for so long, because she was like, no, true belonging is finding a place where you belong. And so she kind of charts her journey with realizing that 
Maya Angelou was right, of course. Mm-hmm. And um, that we don't, that we are not owned by anyone, you yeah. know? And I think that's what we see in these two singers. Like they belong, the true belonging is that they don't belong to CCM. They don't belong yeah. to Caleb, you know? They don't belong to all the churches that stopped playing their music. Right. They belong yeah. to themselves and to God. And I think that's really beautiful. Yeah. This has been so great, Ashley. Will you please end our episode with a blessing? Sure thing. I invite you to come to a place of stillness and grounding for our benediction. For me, that means both feet are on the ground and my palms rest gently on my legs. Receive this blessing. May God bless the doubters and the outcasts, the ones who transgressed the arbitrary boundaries of religiosity and found God on the outside where God has always been. May God bring low the gatekeepers, the ones with the Christian enough stamps of approval. And may God lift up the ones who find themselves on the outside so that they may see that Christ has been there with them all along. Amen. Go in peace.